Welcome to No Boring Kids, the newsletter and podcast for parents that want to make the future a little more interesting. It's written and produced by me, Adam Kershaw. I'm a children's author, publisher, and father to three young kids in Australia. This is the audio edition of No Boring Kids number eight. I tried explaining mental illness and addiction to my six-year-old. Was I wrong? At the beginning of 2020, we moved back to my hometown of Melbourne, Australia with our then three-year-old son and six-month-old daughters. We weren't much for driving and settled down in the inner city so we could get around by foot. It was handy, but we were like a road train when we hit the footpath. Two fully loaded prams, three loud, restless kids. We took up so much space and made that much noise. You could feel us coming from a mile away. Shortly after we moved, COVID hit and the whole city locked down. With only a tiny courtyard to work with, our walking kicked into overdrive as we scrambled for ways to stay active and keep sane. We'd venture all over our neighborhood, but I'd often head towards the city, especially with my son, and wander the deserted streets. It's something I've always loved experiencing, no matter what city I'm in. Waking up early and walking around while the city is still asleep, like my own vanilla sky moment. But this was different. With my son along for the ride, I was seeing the city through his eyes, three feet above the ground. At that level, the deserted streets and empty skyscrapers weren't cause for wonder. They were stark and unsettling. The city's homelessness crisis, heightened by the pandemic, had come into full view. Encounters with the homeless became a regular feature of our CBD walks. There were no dangerous interactions or anything like that. But with the number of rough sleepers skyrocketing during COVID, homelessness began to dominate the conversation during our walks. At first, explaining it to a three-year-old seemed straightforward. Not everyone has a home, I'd say to him. Not everyone has a family that can help them. But as he got older, he'd probe more deeply and tear apart my simple explanation. Why can't they work and make money to find a house? Why don't people help them? Why don't we help them? I've always tried to answer my kids honestly when they ask difficult questions. And when something is contentious, I do my best to present the opposing views before offering my own. So I didn't try to bat these questions away. But for the past three years, the answers have been simplistic and incremental at best. Recently though, the line of questioning grew more intense. I could tell that something didn't sit right with him about the homeless. His understanding of the world had sharpened and homelessness seemed more distressing than ever. I started to see why. Through his eyes, these people had been discarded by their families. Families just like his, with no home and no one to help them. People passed them by on the streets as if they didn't exist. And everyone seemed okay with it. How, he must be asking himself. Could it be so hopeless? This shouldn't have been a possibility in the world he knew. To a six-year-old, people are supportive, compassionate and generous. And while reality sometimes seemed unfair, rarely was it this harsh. Was he just one bad choice away from being cast out like them? It was clear he'd outgrown the explanation I'd started giving him three years ago. And when the questioning started again, 
I suddenly found myself launching into a new one that I wasn't really prepared for, and I'm sure he wasn't ready to hear. I started explaining mental illness and addiction. I told him that some homeless people aren't always homeless because of other people. They can be homeless because of their own choices. And those choices aren't always made the same way that his or mine might be, because of mental illness or addiction. I explained that some people can feel sad or worry more than others, and that can make it hard for them to do things like work or take care of themselves. It can also make it hard for people to help them, or for them to accept their help even when they need it. He thought for a second, then asked me, Can they get better? Sometimes, but not everyone has the chance to get better, I offered. It was a lot to digest, and I was relieved when he changed the subject. I'd gone deep, probably too deep, and I couldn't be sure what he'd made of my uncensored remarks. Dishing out these life lessons and truth bombs might seem like the good stuff when it comes to parenting, but I mostly find myself agonizing over it. There are just too many ways to rationalize the truth. I was only doing my job as a parent. It's important that I help him form his own understanding about things. I'm only feeding his curiosity. I was just being honest. But I don't buy it. The truth is, I don't know whether it was the right time or even the right explanation. I acted on instinct, I improvised. I wanted to relieve some of the stress and uncertainty you may have been feeling about homelessness. And in the process, I may have just added to it. What I do know is that the conversation will shift. The questions will change, they have already. And it won't be my truth that concerns us anymore. It's what his will be. The way I see it, my job now is to help him find it. And to do that, I have to confront my own fear and uncertainty about getting it all wrong. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the audio edition. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this newsletter at noboringkids at gmail.com. And please subscribe if you haven't already to receive the next edition straight to your inbox or podcast feed. Until then, keep it interesting. Interesting.